1: Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We're up and rolling along with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. It is the post Buckeye apocalypse, the Bucknuts apocalypse. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Here we are. It it hasn't even been 48 hours. I was just thinking about that, and it's like it seems like it's already (laughs) seems like it's been longer than that. To me, and I'm sure uh, you know a lot of other people are uh, are feeling it even more so. But obvious uh, heartbreak, disappointment, whatever you want to call it, Saturday night, Notre Dame, Ohio State. We're gonna just jump right into it with both feet. Are you and Brian planning on upon further review like eight o'clock tonight? Is that yep. what the plan is?
2: I believe that's the plan. So strap in folks because you got about four straight hours i would think of information coming your way at the very least three with a little intermission in between um yeah because we couldn't do it last night and so here we are and we are going to do it uh, tonight and we've been he and i've been kind of throwing back forth Some ideas and some things, and so we'll see how this thing goes. But
1: still haven't figured out what the ideas and things are. And now you've got yeah. Show to I go. mean,
2: <laughs> we we both watched the the film. We both have some thoughts, but you know, you got to kind of you got to put them on paper and you got to streamline the thing. Yeah, you know what
1: I'm saying. I went back and uh watched vital bits and pieces of the game from Saturday. I will say, nice professional sounding broadcast Saturday night. If you, Ooh, uh, I did not watch
2: the NBC broadcast. Thanks. I. Watch more of the coach's cut, if you will, and which is so much better for me because I think I do have undiagnosed ADHD and I get like completely like bought into the announcing and the and the extras and all that. And I just want the plays. Just show me the plays and I'll be good. And that's what I've been doing the last few weeks, and it's worked out so much better for me. I can get so much more accomplished.
1: Yeah. I know there's been a lot of venting and finger pointing and everything, and with reason. I mean that final that final four minutes was not what anyone expected, and I'll admit, you know, I saw a couple other people, you know, had their phone out and their camera, and I was like, it's like, do I dare? You know, I had my camera, you like the video rolling, was going to capture the you know the final moments when they finally pull off one of these wins for posterity to have it. I don't usually do it, and then another first down conversion, another this, another that. And, you know, we all know how it ended, obviously. Because you're on a little bit of a time crunch, Vince, I'm not going to waste a lot of time throwing a lot of uh, words <laughs> out of my mouth. I'm, I'm just going to ask you straight yeah. up. Did Saturday's loss to Ohio State officially end the honeymoon phase for Marcus Freeman?
2: Yeah, I think it did. I think, I think no matter how – that game ended even if it was a win i think it would have ended the honeymoon phase because then i think there's expectations right if he wins that game now there's expectations honeymoon over right if you lose that game uh, the boo birds are coming out metaphorically right and and they came out obviously via social media and everything else um there, there were even people taking shots at us. Like we had a lot to do with the game. You know what I mean? And it's
1: like, <laughs> well, that's what happens. It's I know. Like and everyone, it's everyone gets the, there's just flamethrowers, torture yeah. everybody. When you have a loss, like it's, it, it especially is funny. if there's alcohol
2: involved, which well, was you know for a lot yeah, of people. That's that a point. good call. So, you know, it's funny to me though, you know, there, there's plenty of blame to go around. Okay. And the answer to your question is yes, it's over period. Right, And there's plenty of blame to go around. The vitriol from Irish fans is was palpable on Saturday night and again in all day tomorrow or all day yesterday, excuse me, on Sunday. Three seconds. Three seconds is the difference between complete vitriol and complete elation. Those same people that are out there with the flamethrower would have been out there with the ticker tape if they make one stop. They make one stop. No, it's true. Because you know what I mean. It would and it would gloss just, everything over. And yes, it
1: would. You well, know, look, that's what happens, right? Because we talk about, well, is this as big a you know? We talked last week. This is as big a game since whenever. How big is this game? What happens is, we always gloss over the victories that they do have against the good teams. Oh, Oklahoma wasn't that big overall in in twenty twelve. By the way, apparently a Bucknuts fan, you know, listening to countdown and not understanding the context of what we were talking about. We weren't comparing Ohio state to Oklahoma from an on field standpoint. We were talking about them in terms of stature and what it would mean for the season and those kind of things. But, you know, again, it's context does matter sometimes, but my point is the, the good thing, you know, there have been wins over Michigan. There have been wins over Clemson. One gets brushed away because Trevor Lawrence was there. Last year's gets brushed away, brushed away, even though they were still ranked fairly high because it's like, oh, well, they weren't that great, I guess, when it's all said and done. All those kind of, quote unquote, what actually are big wins along the way, you don't think about. You only think about the big losses. Those sure. are the ones that stick with you. But to answer the question, I'm not trying to gloss over this thing. Like, there were some troubling things that happened out there, and I don't think there's any way you can look at it. As well-liked and for good reason as Marcus Freeman is, I still you know, respect him as a recruiter. I still respect him as a coach. But this was still game, what was it? 19 for Marcus Freeman. Is, is that, there really that many? 13 14, yeah, because this was game five. Game 19 for Marcus wow. Freeman. 13 last year plus the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. And this was five, so that's 19, right? Wow. Yeah, 19 game. This is still game 19. For Marcus Freeman. And when you make mistakes. Like they made. Saturday night. In prime time. For everyone to see. Against sure. an opponent like that. There's no way to hide from any of them. Nope. And he fell on the sword at his press conference today. And that's all fine. But I mean. You look at the final offensive series. And we'll get into that here in a minute. You look at the final defensive series. And we'll get into that here in a minute. The 10 men on the field. We'll get into that as well. But like. You even look at. Over the course of like the defensive series, even the personnel that they wanted to have on the field beyond just the 10 men thing, like there was a time, you know, when they ended up calling that timeout, it looked like they had goal line personnel on the field in that instance. And I think they ended up getting nickel out there. And then when they're on the goal line for those last couple plays, they've got nickel personnel when they obviously wanted goal line personnel. Out there, there were just so many. And in a, in a, I realize again, as the hood coach, everything falls on you. That's what Marcus Freeman says today. Everything falls on you. But there are there there are other people, you know, who are who are culpable in this. But at the same time, the fact that everything could just be that bad when a game is on the line like that is is just baffling because the only thing even and it's not a direct comparison but like the penalties the last couple of games were troubling it's like you know how how is all this happening all of a sudden but that was really the biggest you know kind of warning flag we'd really seen the last couple of games for the most part everything seemed like a fairly smooth operation things were going well i don't know if it's you know again like do you over prepare overthink because you get into these big situations i guess my point is there's no there's no substitution for the big moments other than being in the big moments. And this was really the first big moment for Marcus Freeman. And it did not work out at all. And especially when you look at a three-point loss, it just makes it that much harder to stomach when it's all said and done.
2: where very, very well put. I mean, I it's... It's very hard to stomach the entire the entire situation is very hard to stomach because, you know, when mm-hmm. Notre Dame gets the ball with four minutes to go, you're feeling pretty stinking good about Notre Dame's chances. And I know we're going to talk about this. And so I don't want to, you know, go too deep into it. But at the same time, there, there were mistakes that were made that were inexcusable. Right. And the, ten, the 10 men thing is inexcusable you know, and, and especially
1: twice, twice. And look, exactly. He, he had different explanations. And again, we'll get to that here in a second, but he fell on the sword for the, you know, for whoever's responsibility it was because well, it's not the head to go-, go around I'm, what I'm saying there, there, there are, there's, there's one or two, we don't know exactly who there's one or two people who are responsible for making sure that the right personnel is on the field. It starts with a position coach. Right when you're lacking sure. a defensive lineman, it starts with Al Washington. Now there's got to be somebody else up in the booth who's counting guys out there. Someone sure. had to see it the play before that.
2: You know well, they were in a they were in a freaking timeout. Right, they were in a timeout, and to so whatever defensive a, like call out of a
1: timeout needing to burn another timeout.
2: Right, you know right. whatever defensive call you made in the huddle because the entire defense is in that huddle. Right, the enti- not just the. 10 or 11 guys that are on the field. The entire defense is in that huddle. So the blame game goes like this, in this order. The player who's supposed to be out there, the position coach, the coordinator, the head coach. That's the order of the blame for me. And yes, whoever the player was supposed to be, there's some blame to go there. Because you got to know what package you're supposed to be in. Who do we blame when there's one guy missing on the extra point? when he comes running out late it's the player he's not paying attention some of the blame has to go to the player the vast majority of the blame goes to the guys who are actually getting paid to be out there and that's the coaching staff right so that's the order for me player position coach coordinator head coach i can't believe nobody caught the fact that and and fixed the fact that they had 10 guys on the field
1: right Anthony says the ten men debacle to me could give pause to the coach's decision making in high stress situations. Jeff says this is what comes with hiring someone with no head coach experience at all for not only a head coach job but for the magnitude of the head coach job. I mean, this is essentially what you worry about, right? When you talk yeah, about yeah, but not
2: nineteen games in. He's got nineteen games of
1: experience, yeah, but still, nineteen games uh, is still like like think you know, about Brian Kelly. We've talked about this before. Nobody gave a damn about what what mistakes Brian Kelly was making for 15 years or whatever it was, you know, 10, 12 years at Grand Valley State and even at Central Michigan and to some extent at Cincinnati before he got to Notre Dame. Nobody cared, right? But as soon as you get to a place like Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, USC, go down the list of the high-profile programs, that's that's when every mistake – is like there there's someone with a tally mark and they matter a heck of a lot more when you make them at those kind of places. Than,
2: I agree with that, you know, but there's no excuse. I don't care where you are to have 10 guys on the field in that situation. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I, I would have hammered. Again, middle he has school to take responsibility
1: for, for it as the head coach, hundred uh, percent, but that, but you, you know, because you've coached, you've been a position coach, you've been a coordinator, you've been a head coach. You've had all these different positions, you know, Whose responsibility it is. And it's not the head coach to make sure that well, that's true. That there are, I mean that there are eleven guys out there. The he head gets the blame. Yeah, the head coach is, right. is making bigger macro decisions in Correct. terms of, of what's going to happen. The the responsibility lies with the guys under him. Take care of your job. You do your job. I'm doing my job over here. And my job is to make these big picture decisions. Right. Your job is the assistant coaches, are to make sure that the right people are on the field at the right time.
2: Right. I, that I agree with completely. Like I, I, I blame Marcus Freeman because he's the head coach. I mean, it's right. Because you have to, because you, you have the head to coach. Right. Right. hundred percent. But at the end of the day, he's not the one out there counting players. I mean, that's, right. that's not his, that's right. not his responsibility in that moment, you know, but it is his responsibility because he gave those guys the responsibility, right? That's kind of yeah. how that goes, but it's
1: Here's- still inexcusable, inexcusable. Here's my follow up for you. You know, kind of going to what Jeff says, you hired a, an inexperienced head coach. You knew that there were going to be some mistakes made along the way. Last year, the mistakes were losing inexplicable inexplicable games to Marshall and Stanford, sure. And as we've talked about since then, Marcus Freeman has done a really good job of being introspective Learning, you know, like today to the 10 men on the field thing specifically said, hey, we've got to have some kind of signal you know, to the guys on the field so that if if we're counting and there's not 10 guys, they got to know just jump off sides, you know, do something to stop play, you know, so that so that it gives us an opportunity. So, again, fallback. But but my question is, if the learning curve goes from losing to Marshall and Stanford in year one to you make granted some big crucial mistakes in a high profile game in year two. Can you live with that? Like ultimately, you know, this, 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 this coach is still learning as he goes, can you live with that? If you're taking care of the business in, in those games like Stanford and Marshall that you had no business losing, but you're losing a close game as, as hard as it is to stomach in the moment and as hard as it is for everyone to swallow, can you live with that as a growth step, I guess, in year two as this head coach goes forward?
2: I mean, when you put it like that, the arrow still is like this. I mean, it's still, it's still pointed up. I mean, if, that's, if you're, if you're going to compare a loss to Stanford or a loss to Marshall in the manner in which they lost those two games to a narrow loss to a top 10 team or, you know, whatever they are, then, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you can live with that, but it can't continue to happen. And we right. said, you know, we, we said coming and, into the And that's my show, point. Like, if, yeah.
1: you know, assuming he's still learning as he goes, right. and he's right. correcting these mistakes as he goes, right. which again, okay, now we heard about this plan to have a signal. Okay, whatever, if that ever comes up again. But God, I hope not. <laughs> I know, right?
2: I mean it, there's no in my opinion there's no moral victory here like th- this this was a team that Oh I know and I I listened to your post
1: and, and, yeah. and that's I'm not trying to pose this as some sort of moral victory
0: right, by any means right, right, I'm not right. saying
1: they played close and that's that should be accepted I'm just saying this is still a head coach in game 20 he hasn't even right. coached two full seasons I give you that and so if that's if that's the growth assuming he takes care of business against every team he's supposed to take care of business with the rest of the season even if that means a split with USC and Clemson and you're 10 and 2 at the end of the season and that is the biggest misstep like is that you know again like is is that an acceptable growth curve for oh. Marcus Freeman as a young head coach
2: we said coming into the year 10 and two is the floor right well if that's the floor that's still in the house that you built right but it's the floor i think i would still be disappointed at 10 and 2 you still got a lot of football left to play and if you only lose one game you know that's that's 10 and 2 and that's kind of scary right now you know what i mean and it, it's hard to say, do I still think that Marcus Freeman is a work in progress? Yeah, I mean, he's he's not Nick Saban yet. Like, that's not who he is yet. And that can be very frustrating to fans, especially when Notre Dame played the way they played and, ha- and uh, you know, appeared to have that game in hand, right? And so the only silver lining to this entire situation to me is I don't have to hear people say, That, oh, he beat Ohio State, now he's going to be the next head coach at Ohio State. I'm glad I don't have to listen to that anymore, that was some (laughs) BS going into the game. So, glad I don't have to listen to that crap, but,
1: you know. You listen to opposing fans too much is the problem. I just listen to the
2: chat, is really all I listen to, and it was people (laughs) in the chat that were saying that last week. It's really getting annoying, but Anyway.
1: Austin says, this might be a question it'll take, but I'm okay dealing with these hiccups because of the positives Freeman has brought to Notre Dame. That's assuming the mistakes go away soon. And that's kind of my point. Like, yes, I'm saying there's, there's still going to be some mistakes, but you hope that they're not nearly as big as the last four and a half minutes of that game. Some mistakes, but they iron themselves out as they go along. I, you know, I'm right. Right. I'm good with that. As long as they're as long as they, they're not losing to Marshall and Stanford in those kind of sure. games. They don't get beat by Wake Forest or Right. Whoever I you know what?
2: This next game against Duke on the road is gonna tell us a lot about where this team is. Mm-hmm. Because Duke is a quality opponent, right? And if they go out there and they just put it to Duke, I'll feel pretty good about where this team is, to be perfectly honest with you, because they still have a lot of their own destiny in their own hands. You know, if, you know, when you talk about the college football playoff, all that. Like, that's way off in the distance. You got to take it one day at a time, obviously. It's more... It's easier for me to take this loss knowing everything else Marcus Freeman has done for Notre Dame in the time that he's been here. Because they lost that game and got three commitments out of it, I believe. You know, like, this is still... This is still not the last Regime's Notre Dame. This is a different situation completely. Still need to win that game. I'm not making excuses. But what I am saying is I still feel better about where Notre Dame is with him at the helm than I I have in a while.
1: Yeah. I mean, really, 95% of the game, maybe I thought they'd be a little bit better offensively. 95% of the game still went the way I kind of thought it would go. You know, again, I thought they'd probably score a little bit more, but we all had him win too. And we didn't we didn't just have him winning because we're a a bunch of homers. As you well remember, I picked against him at Ohio State last year. I picked against him a couple times last year. And I heard it from people because I picked him again. Why aren't you picking Notre Dame? Because I'm gonna pick who I think is actually gonna win the game. Sure. And I picked Notre Dame. Yeah. And they should have won the game. So I had him
2: winning by four. Yeah. they if they make one play, they win by four. Like Okay, I said 28 24, but I still had the margin at four. You know what I mean? Like, that's we were all kind of that one possession, you know, situation. And that's what it ended up being, folks. I mean, like, yes, it is a devastating loss. It's a devastating loss. There's no doubt about it. It sucks.
1: I'm not sure I completely understand this comment. Johnny says he's behind in the video, and it sounds like people will be catching up as we go, but he says, the take about the honeymoon phase feels like an off the bandwagon tape. This football like you're, team, like
2: you're jumping off the bandwagon.
1: I've never been on a bandwagon. Right. So <laughs> I, yeah. I think that this is a good ahead coach. My point is the honeymoon phase is not about my personal opinions. The question about the honeymoon phase is. All the vitriol I've seen for less than the last 48 hours. And the immediacy after the game, listening to some of the comments you guys had. And I realize the comments in the post-game show are probably going to be the worst. Because that's when everyone's oh, is is this, full of yes, emotions. Sure. But yesterday on Twitter. Yesterday oh, on the yeah. boards. Today on the boards. This ain't me, guys. And gals. This ain't... This isn't me. This is the fan perspective. Like, what people think i mean there are plenty of people saying you know coaching lost us the game i heard a ton of that coaching lost notre dame the game well again where's the buck stop it stops with the head coach that's why i'm asking this question sure about the honeymoon phase now that's not to suggest that i'm saying you're going to go fire marcus freeman tomorrow because things have gone wrong that has because, nothing again, to do with a
2: bandwagon yeah no, that's not yeah. no
1: it's it's this is this is all coming from all the feedback that we've got in, you know, all these different outlets, you know. Um, and so now we've got people arguing, you know, what, what once again about and, and I'm not surprised because, again, it's everyone's fine. still got a lot of emotion. Look, flowing. People are no passionate.
2: People are passionate about this team. And that's what makes following this team and being a Notre Dame fan one of the greatest parts, you know, one of the greatest things ever. Right. And that's what allows us to do this job because there's passionate people out there that want to see this team win.
1: Right, we're right there with you. And I think from again, I think from a fan standpoint, especially the way this season started off, Marcus Freeman still was in the honeymoon phase. And the reason the question was asked was because of all the reaction, the drastic and dramatic reaction sure. from fans after this about, you know, coaches and Freeman and this and see I told you so, he's too inexperienced and everything else and Paul said the funniest post that he saw on the board was Marcus Freeman is on the hot seat. I I assure you that that is not, that is not true. Again, that's
2: ridiculous going to be
1: growing pains. And I think I'm okay. Again, if the growing pains go from two horrible losses like they had last year to (laughs) some very painful mistakes in a high profile game that you should have won, as long as you're able to keep on taking care of business and you don't lose those kind of games like you lost last year again how much into the 10 men on the field do you even want to go because we've touched on it i mean a little bit it's it it was
2: a disaster i don't know what else to say like they didn't have their fourth lineman on the field on the goal line no ohio state ran right there it's inexcusable there is literally no excuse for that i don't care what marcus freeman said there's no excuse and i'm sure he fell on the sword it's my fault whatever he's right at the end of the day it is I don't know what else there is to say about it, to be honest with you. The fact that they scored that touchdown by about a half an inch without a two hundred and ninety pound defensive end sitting there, it makes it even more devastating. Now, that's what to makes me. it
1: even tougher. The only thing that's yes. gone through my head is would they have still you know run ran the ball that right there yeah. if, right. if there would have been right. somebody sitting there? Because they
2: hurried to the line because there. somebody in Ohio State realized they didn't have another defensive yeah. end there and they're like, run it off tackle right now. Right. You know, so
1: so here's Marcus Freeman today.
3: There's a whole bunch of systems in place to make sure that doesn't happen. But ultimately, it falls on me. And, and that's the reality. I, I'm not going to get up here and say this person should have done that, to that person. Ultimately, I have to do a better job as a head coach to make sure those systems you just already have in place are executed, right? We as a coaching staff um, should be held to the exact same standards we tell our players to. Right. And, and we tell our players often, we hear them say, fight the drift. Right. You can't get caught watching the game. Everybody has a job to do on this play. Coaches got to win in a too. And uh, we all have to own that and uh, make sure that never happens.
1: So there you go.
2: Ball's on him. He's right. Yeah. That's exactly what he should have said there. That's exactly there's, what he should have said.
1: There's just not much else you can say. Right. He so said well,
2: there's systems you know, in place that weren't good enough, and that falls on me. He's 100% right, yep. period.
1: The offensive strategy was, to me, just very, very confusing. And I'll go ahead, and and this is uh, from after the game, Marcus Freeman on the team's offensive strategy. When they get the ball with, I think it was 426 to play so you've got about four and a half minutes left.
3: There wasn't a way to just run the ball and the game would be over, right? And so what I didn't want to do was concede to say, okay, let's just run the ball three times, make them use two of their timeouts, right? And then all of a sudden, we're just punting the ball and, and, and just giving them a chance to, to come down and feel the same amount of time they had. And so as I told them, I said, hey, let's be smart, but let's, let's play to win this game. Let's play to win this game. And so um, that's what we did, you know, on the second down screen is, is almost as good as a run, You know, but obviously it was tipped, and then the kid made a great play, and and the clock stopped, and then we ran it on third and uh, made him use a timeout. So, again, I I told those guys before the game, and I told those guys during the game, I don't want to play to lose. I want to be aggressive and attacking, and that's what we did.
1: I get that. Sure. You want to be aggressive. You want to be attacked. You want to attack. But your two main objectives, one – one is use as much clock as possible. Right. Two is not that means don't stop the clock. Two, get it, get a couple, you, you get a one more first down. One more. And the one game more. is over. Here's here's the five plays they ran. First down pass to Rico Flores. 12 yard gain. It's like, I remember they Hartman dropped back to pass on that that first play. And I'm like, oh, they're passing. <laughs> and it was an easy catch. You know, they were playing right. off. Hats off to Rico. Flores, by the way, for having not the presence going out, of out of mind as a freshman. Yes, staying in yes. bounds and keeping the clock running yes. because it was, again, it was still over two minutes. So you're not going to have an automatic stoppage. It's like, hey, this freshman, this kid gets it. So then now it's first and 10. Play number two, Audric Estimate runs for 11 yards right up the gut at the heart of the Ohio State defense, I think is kind of what Todd Blackledge termed it. And then inexplicably, Audric goes to the sideline, never to be seen again. Third down, Hartman gets stuffed on the loss. Ford and Love are in the backfield with him. Two backs back there. He was going to hand it to Love. He ends up eating it because he sees um, Tui Moalau, however you say his name, TJ, coming at him. So he eats it. Fisher down blocks. It was just a, I, I didn't like the play call. Well, it was, uh, way, too, it was way too
2: slow of a developing exactly. play. And... and that's why
1: the Estime run and other runs right. like it were successful. It was not slow developing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that that was the biggest – of all the plays that were called in that scenario, that was by far the one I had the biggest problem with, to be honest with you. Because then then it set up a chain of events where you kind of had to do something different than what you wanted to do going in to this series, right? I mean, I think Sam Hartman did the right thing by eating it because he didn't want to flub up the mesh and and fumble the ball down deep in your own territory. You know, I heard somebody say – after the fact, oh, well, he just should have fumbled it right there and let him score right away, and the Notre Dame ahead time. Like, <laughs> stop talking.
1: Somebody like, actually said that. Like, yeah. because because you know that Ohio State's going to score eighteen right. plays from now. right. Yeah, so you-
2: so stupid. That's yes. just, anyway <laughs> anyway. Um, that was the biggest issue because they lost yards there, and so they call a screen pass, right? And I you you were kind of going through it. Obviously, the next play is the screen pass that gets knocked down almost intercepted right
1: look and then the last play they're in third and 15 and they basically finally do concede and they just hand it to jabron Payne, who rushes for three yards and then they punt but ohio state called the timeout i wanted to make sure i mentioned the points ohio state called the timeout after the sam hartman tackle for loss smart play they've got one timeout left and they used it of course so that there would be no clock runoff on the intentional grounding, on
2: the intentional grounding. If yeah. Notre
1: Dame runs the ball, they don't have that. They don't have the timeout left, yeah. and the and the pass to the end, you know, in front of the end zone to Ibuka, is probably the last play of the game.
2: Yeah, that's probably true, and that's you're absolutely right about that. I just I don't really have a problem with the screen call. I don't because remember I leaned over to you and I said you're like, what do we do here? I was like, well. You, you either run the ball or you throw a pass that you know you're going to complete right 9 times out of 10 and i realize maybe you know obviously those odds now don't matter because it didn't be it wasn't complete you figure you're going to at least complete
1: a screen but that's pass. why you, but that's why you don't throw the ball in that situation right i, I because, get it i get it because if it's not you know two bad things could happen and right, Luke, one of right. them almost did and the other did you're right You're right. You you saved a timeout for them. Right. You know, by even the ball just hitting the ground. Now I realize it was set up nicely, but you had a great defensive end who Notre Dame in that series. You know, again, on that on that play where Hartman gets stuffed in the backfield, that same guy wrecked that play. And he nearly had a pick six on that play. You know, if he's like two inches taller, he's at least got an interception. Right. And that's why you don't run that play. That's why this team is built. For the dude with the with the massive biceps, you know who was wearing the tank top on TV on Friday, Audric Estime. I get it. I and the get fact it. that he ran for 11 yards on first down in closing time. That's what Audric Estime is here to do. He is here to close out games like this. He just gained 11 yards and gave you a first down. I'm going right back to him with the same play, and I don't I don't care how Ohio State is lined up. I'm going right back to him the play after that, after he just gained 11 yards and took four defenders with him to get those 11 yards. Ohio State was gassed up the middle and Lou Holtz was right. And we'll get to that in rapid fire. They were gassed. And that's why you've got Audric Estimate. And that's how you're not handing arguably at least your second biggest offensive asset, maybe, you know, maybe third, depending on, you know, which offensive lineman you want to look at or what, but one of your top offensive how you're not giving him the ball in, in in that situation is beyond me.
2: I get where you're coming from. I still don't have a problem with the play. I don't if he stays engaged, if he stays engaged with the offensive tackle on that play, that's a 50 yard gain. Because there was nobody behind him.
1: You gotta let him eat, man. You gotta I, let I him get, eat.
2: I look, I, I I respect your opinion on this. I do because oh yeah and the way the, game, the, way the just, game played out it makes even more sense to do what you're saying in that moment you have no idea that there's going to be a potential runoff you know later on you don't know no, any of that stuff
1: but again it was the play after that estimate just gains 11 so now let's put in devin ford and jeremiah love jeremiah love had a great game like if they had you done it a little, I, like. Fisher down blocks. They just left TJ completely untouched on that play. They didn't even account for him. The best defensive player on the
2: the run play on the one where Hartman got
1: stuffed, where he wanted it, where he was supposed to hand it to love, but he pulled the ball. They don't account for the best defensive player on the team. So you're going to run that play again, instead of just giving number seven, the ball and having him at the very least shoot the B gap on the other side. It didn't matter. Like when they were, like you said, the slow developing run plays—that's what Ohio State was eating up. Anything that was just like quick, get it through a gap, Notre Dame was chewing them up. Whether it was Jeremiah Love, Andre Casteme, Jadarian Price—didn't matter who it was—they were chewing them up when they were hitting it hard.
2: Yep, they were. <laughs> when they would run that two back in the first half, though, they were chewing them up too. That's a the thing. They—if you—if you go no, back and you and you watch that two back formation. Those exact plays that were slow developing, we're chewing them up, and that's but obviously what, that's
1: was that. also accounted for. I, I, plays. I, I get that, and maybe that changes the complexion. If you make one block, maybe that changes the complexion of that play. And I don't who's know who's to
2: say you're going to get good blocking on that last play. That you know where you're. So again, I understand what you're saying. You that's why I'd rather have seven on the and field. Even I would if just gets, rather have yeah. So so, even if he gets stuffed. On two more plays, they at least They've have got, to burn a timeout.
1: They're going to use their timeout on one of those two right. plays. So and that's, that's what, really
2: – the whole. this whole thing boils down to they didn't use their timeout.
1: From the time – from the time the – you know, they got the clock – they got the ball with 426 on the clock. The pass to Rico Flores from the time the clock started running before that play, the pass to Flores to the time they ran – the estimate run play there was almost a full minute in between because you know you've got to wait to you know to 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 set the ball for the play clock to start all that different stuff almost a full minute ran off so if they just run the ball cuz marcus freeman was like well you can't just run it to run the clock out well you just got another first down with audric estime so you've got at a minimum two more plays and they have two timeouts at that point, so even if they take their timeouts, because that's that's part of the other objective in this whole kind of cat and mouse game, is if you're not going to burn the clock at a very minimum, you want them to burn their timeouts and not have anything left at the end. And you know, again, they had to use they used they used the the uh, the, the timeout in the final drive, the timeout that they had left.
2: Yeah, no, they absolutely did because of the intentional grounding. I mean, yeah. yep. You're absolutely. And I right still
1: I still like my chances, given it to Andre Castamay, that if he's got really three, first down, second down, third down. Yeah, so you've got three plays, not just two. I like my chances that on those three plays, he's going to pick up a first down. And you've got evidence of it on the 11-yard run that he had, you know, on the one carry that he got. So that's. I don't know. I just thought that that's what this team was supposed to be about. You know, like physical football, a physical running back, give it to him in closing time. And unfortunately, that's just not the way So it wound up.
2: Ohio State takes a timeout with two minutes and 28 seconds to go on second and 15, right? So you've got, let's say you run another run play, take four seconds off the clock. Let's say it gets stuffed. You run four seconds off the clock. They take another timeout. Now it's two twenty-four. Right, right. You're basically giving them the ball back with the exact same amount of time. Because except then, you, they've,
1: except, except they they've don't got a timeout. no timeouts remaining. So
2: right. the whole this whole thing boils down to they would have had to use their last timeout, right? Correct. Correct. But then they would have called different plays. They would have done different things with the different time, and the, so I mean. I get it. You're, you're. I would much rather have them starting their drive with no timeouts than with timeouts.
1: You're right. You I, can't I guarantee that. that everything is going to play out right. exactly. Because if but they what, don't get a first down. What we down, do know is McCord got pressured and it had right. to throw the ball away right. and intentionally grounded the ball.
2: Yeah, we know that. Right. That's the thing.
1: We don't know if that's even the,
2: a play that they – because how much pressure did Notre Dame get the entire game? Not much. That was the one sack that they got was on that one play. You know what I yeah. mean? So, yes, of course, you're in a better situation if you give them the ball back with one time with no timeouts as opposed to one timeout. But man, I if he hits that screen pass, I'm telling it's game over. It's game over, and Ohio State doesn't get the ball
1: back. No, you're right. But he didn't. And I mean I, is it an easy know. second guess after the fact? Sure. But again, but that's what there's we're also, both doing. We're both
2: second guessing.
1: Right. There's also yeah. a reason. Again, multiple bad things can happen. There's only one good thing that can happen. He catches you're the right. ball. You're right. Multiple bad things can happen when you're putting the ball in the air in that situation, especially deep in your own territory. And, you know, as Bill said, and the clock stopped. You know, that's the other thing that goes along with it. The clock stopped. that helped him out. Um,
2: I, I get it. But they still the have defense, the exact same amount of time left. But right. No timeouts. Right. Because if if – Look, they're gonna. If Notre Dame is just running the ball up the middle, Ohio State's gonna put ten guys in the box. He's gonna get stuffed. Maybe he bounces off and gets a first down. You cannot. How I many mean, times did Audric estimate? He get didn't stuffed get stuffed on game?
1: that eleven-yard gain.
2: <laughs> I get that, but he got stuffed on plenty of other plays during the game. He got stuffed a decent chunk, folks. And people don't want to remember that that he they think he just rips off ten yards carry. That is not the case.
1: And I'm not saying he's going to get 10 a carry. I know if you're even, not. If I know gets, you're not saying that. If he that even, even gets four yards are. per carry, you know, again, that's why you've got Odric Estime out there to close 100%. it
2: out. 100%. I, I get where everybody's coming from. I just, that wasn't my issue with how things went down.
1: I would rather run some sort of misdirection with Sam Hartman, a bootleg, whatever. Sure. You know, because, it, you know, if the, if that's what you're going to do, because Ohio State is going to be just like with with uh, T.J. Tui, Amola, like he's so wound up and geared up to just rea- you know, read and react to the first thing that he sees, you know, like they're they're coming, helping. I would rather do something like that. Again, it's, it's easy for us to all have the answers after the fact.
2: <laughs> it's just funny. If somebody says the O-line was taking over. That's the time to run the ball. The very previous play, the O-line did not take over, and Sam Hartman well, got stuffed in the backfield. But
1: it's not that they didn't take over. It's just that, because I, I went back and watched that play again today, nobody touched. Everybody down-blocked to the inside. And, th- again, the best player yeah, you that Ohio State unblocked. has on defense comes untouched yes. you know, right into the play into Jeremiah Love in the backfield. So it's not that, like, the offensive line right. wasn't dominant. They just but- – they had no too attention. many to block. Like, <laughs> right. that's what—that's my point.
2: They had too many. And everybody's like, well, he averaged over three yards a carry in that game. He's going to 3-3-3. That's a first down. Uh, okay, yeah. If you're doing math like that, but that's not how football is done. He had a 22-yard gain in there someplace, too, that helped out that average. He didn't get five yards a carry every single time he touched the ball.
1: oh. You know, again, like Brad says, Vince is right. Ohio State would know they were running Estime up the middle. Well, it didn't help him <laughs> on the pass play right after Rico Flores when he gained 11 yards. I would have run Estime at least one more time right right afterwards and see what he does. If I decide that I need to throw the ball after that, so be it. But odds are Ohio State was probably going to use the timeout. I on wholeheartedly, that run.
2: wholeheartedly agree with you there wholeheartedly I, I just think the difference would have been ohio state gets the ball with the exact same amount of time just no timeouts and that's that's still a more advantage, if, advantageous advantageous play if they
1: stop if they stop right i
2: Definitely. just think they do because i just think that you're just pounding your face against the wall yeah. on that but it's whatever the bottom line is it didn't work it didn't work
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check
1: Johnny that that Ohio State was starting to get gassed especially up the middle at that point I think I think the advantage was in Notre Dame's favorite let's do some of these super chats here all right let's do it got some of them piled up first of all thank you very much Anthony we appreciate it as always he just says thanks for the show Paul thank you for your super chat if there is such thing of PTND I have it I guess that's post-traumatic Notre Dame disorder
2: yeah I mean I get that too
1: (laughs) yeah um bill just with a super chat we appreciate that as well greg with a super chat guys this hurts stings worse than any major blowout loss i've witnessed in the past 20 plus years of notre dame fandom but i still believe well
2: yeah the close ones always hurt close ones always hurt worse that's that's a given i i've coached in blowouts, both on the positive and the negative. And when it's on the negative, it's like, once you get to like halftime, like, can we just get this thing over with? So I can go have a a beer and a pizza like this. There's, you know, there's no doubt that the close games are always going to hurt more. This one felt almost identical for me, the way that October night in 2005 felt like that's, that's where I was after that game. Like I just felt just deflated. You know what I mean? Not like I was pissed last year against Ohio State because I felt like you know they were they should have lost that game, but they could have won the way like they going into it, Ohio State was the better team. They should have won that game, but Notre Dame had so many opportunities that they just didn't take advantage of. And I was pissed. I was so pissed. By like, the way. Saturday I was just deflated.
1: I just want to remind you of something, Vince, that I think I brought up at some point over the summer. It was in the offseason. Before the season ever started i believe in audric estimate <clears> than you do i think that's obvious at this point
2: that's fair <laughs> that's yeah, okay i think he's a great back i just you know
1: i do too and if i've got a back who's averaging eight yards a carry i think i would want to ride him <laughs> when the game is on the line because uh-huh. chris says play not to lose run the ball three times into massive Pressure front. Play to win. Go against tendency to make the first down you need. Pick your poison. I mean, they did that with the first down pass.
2: They needed to one Rico more first Flores. down. They needed one more. Right.
1: Right. <clears throat> I one get what more. he's saying. It's I, like, do you, here, here's do you run the pass? Here's I don't my think thing. you were just beating your head against the wall if you run estimate no, so more time. I, I, I think happens. you're
2: doing this. I think you're doing the the conservative thing at that point, which could have very well led them to victory. Here here's here's my question let's say that that screen pass is caught jared parker's a freaking genius tonight.
1: oh absolutely
2: you know what i mean that's, the difference. Least, that's they're, the difference it's they're at
1: least probably around the 50 yard line oh, He's got a wall of blockers out in front of him. my
2: goodness absolutely yeah. like he like that's the difference between you're a genius or you should have never been hired like you know it's yep. just funny to me how that's the difference yeah
1: one more super chat. Irish MP78. Marcus Freeman and his staff need to live up to what he preaches. One play, one life. Execute. Play to your full potential. Be the standard. Starts with you.
2: He's not wrong. It's all it always starts with the
1: coaches. Yeah. Um, Chris wants to know how everyone's feeling about Al Golden. And we haven't really touched on that. We've we've talked all about offensive side of the ball, and it's just so confounding because they played so well letting their guys go man up against arguably the best receiving group in the nation. Their guys played so well. They got, even though they didn't get sacks, they got decent pressure. I mean, look at the intentional grounding play. There was pressure there. There were pressures in other situations, but every time it, you know, third and 19 and other similar situations throughout the game, you're just going to let an inexperienced quarterback chew you up by by 3-man right. pressure and dropping 8 and there were just too many soft spots in that zone for Cal McCord to find.
2: My my macro view defensively is this. How many times last year did Notre Dame need one stop at the end of the game yeah. to win to win the game? Yep. And every single time a team went right down the field and scored Every time, and it happened again on Saturday. That's my biggest issue.
1: And what's crazy, and Brian and I had this conversation at one point. I can't remember if it was right before that. It was during the game, though. It's like this is a guy who blitzes so much, which typically, obviously, means you're gonna you're you're gonna blitz. You're gonna play man to man, and then you're gonna go to zone coverage. But he doesn't really have any zone blitz concepts to speak of. You know, and, and that's, you know, that's where you can confuse a relatively young quarterback. It is very easy, you know, drop drop a guy from the defensive line, have him down in a three-point stance, drop him into coverage over the middle, and that's where you're going to confuse him, and maybe he throws an interception or makes a, a fatal mistake. But instead, they just played it completely soft and and left the middle just wide open so many times. I just, I don't get it.
2: Yeah, i I don't understand a lot of the things that he did on that last drive. I I actually thought Al Golden called a pretty stinking good game up until that last drive, and I thought the I, I did too. I, I thought the
1: again there were spots where you know again there were too many easy catches even over the course of the game where they'd convert a third down or what I I'm not saying it was, but the, it was it was very similar what you saw in the 3rd and 19 obviously the 3rd and 19 was one of the biggest plays of the game right yep uh joe says he wished some of the Notre Dame media had the same energy whenever Brian Kelly made mistakes as a veteran coach as they do when Marcus Freeman makes mistakes as a young coach what do you think about that statement
2: I mean I I yeah I guess so I I don't know Obviously, who are, Joe, I don't know if you were listening to us during the Brian Kelly era because we had plenty of energy when those mistakes were called out. So now there are, there are certain people in media or whatever you want to call them that were beholden to Brian Kelly and didn't want to get on his case very much. I will say that. And I think Sean would agree with me on that. But, and as soon as he walked out the door, all of a sudden they became very anti-Brian Kelly. Now- I don't know why, you know, but that's just the way it was. So I, yeah, I guess well, I see that to a degree.
1: And there are some who still won't really criticize that's him publicly because also true. They'd like to keep him as a source down the line. You see that. That is as also well, very, very true. Bob says, did you know Al golden defenses have given up less points per game than Freeman's against much better competition. Take that for what you will. I mean, that's a true statement, but as we had conversations about last year's defense, The numbers look good for the, you know, like they didn't give up a lot of points against Stanford. I don't think anyone's blaming the Stanford loss on them, but it's not just how many points, how many yards you give up because they had respectable defensive rankings with the Mm -hmm. exception of red zone defense and a couple other things across the board. The difference was the key situations like the third and nine against Marshall last year, the. Third and 19 is going to be pretty infamous in this Ohio State game as well. It's those kind of plays. It's like a large percentage of the time his defenses do really well. It is just that for whatever reason, you know, I mean, go back to to the zero blitz against Ohio State in the opener last year. Just the fatal flaws that spoil an otherwise really good performance in a lot in a lot of cases that's that's what's really been the undoing and and really skewed the perception of Al Golden's defenses since he's been here for a year and a half exactly yep could not agree more on that Dino Bambino 23 thanks for the super chat he says I'm not an Al Golden fan but our defense won the game our offense fumbled the opportunity to close out the game I'm over it onward to Duke okay
0: yeah
2: I mean I don't know if I agree with that completely because yeah, the offense didn't the, the offense didn't do their part in the four-minute drill. I agree with that, right? But the defense had every opportunity to win that game on multiple occasions on that last drive. Dropped interception, um, you know, giving up certain plays, you know, fourth down and seven, third and nineteen. Like, yeah, the defense played really well until that last drive. There there were opportunities that were not. Taken, they we're not taken.
1: Yeah. So Tommy's apparently I missed this question. I apologize earlier. Tommy says, since you brought it up, can I get my question answered? Intentional grounding equals loss of down? And question they mark. They did lose yes. their down, and it was loss of down because yes. it was second down yep. on the play that that he threw the pass out of bounds, and then it was it was third down, and it went to third down on the next play. It was, it was second three. and 10, third and nineteen, and it was on the third and
2: nineteen. Play. Right. which we all know what happened on 3rd and nineteen. Right, And so a loss of down means because there was a penalty, normally you get to replay that replay down. Replay the down, right. And they didn't have that opportunity to replay the down. And so it is a loss of down. And again, they counted as a sack, basically.
1: Because of how much time was left, there was 15 seconds at the time. There was oh. supposed to be a 10-second runoff. But because they had a timeout, you can choose the option of using your timeout so you don't have to have the 10-second runoff. So yeah. had they not had that timeout remaining, which goes back to what we were talking about with the offense, then they've got five seconds, and they've probably got one play, and it's third and 19. So it's right. all, it's it's pretty much touchdown or nothing at yep. that
2: point. And Dino clarified his uh, his super chat, or he, my my comment, I guess. He said, the last drive should have never happened. That's what I'm saying. I get that but football's a team sport you got to pick each other up i mean you know the offense didn't do their part defense had an opportunity you know it wasn't the offense fumbled and they scored on the fumble and there was no chance for the defense to make a play defense could have made a play defense could have made a play
1: yeah they had a lot of opportunities to make a yes, play they did